Hello, welcome back. This is Creative Chit Chat episode number 85 um, and this week I'm joined by Catherine Rattray. Um, yeah, she's a photographer. Um, she describes herself as being interested in humans and human nature. Um, she goes into a little bit more detail about that in the podcast. Um, but I I mean, we recently worked with her uh, for the Dundee Design Festival, so she was the festival photographer, and she also had the, the Photoshop set up in there, um, and she had this amazing way of, of capturing people um, in, in the photographic sense, but also just in the, the sort of personality that she has and the persona that she sort of created um, as part of the festival um, to pull everyone in from the, the shopkeepers to the... The, the visitors to the festival, to the volunteers, to everyone that was there. And she was just so sort of captivating. Um, and we talk about that that sort of persona in her work and how that flexes and changes. And I think it's really interesting. Um, and it, it sort of, I mean, I feel it applies across many different disciplines, but we maybe don't talk about it very much. Because um, that idea of, of, of your change in persona, depending on what kind of work you're doing, what sort of audience you're, you're looking at, um, I suppose what kind of mood you're in that day as well. Um, I think Mike Press maybe touched on it just by the, your sort of public facing, public speaking persona, but actually Catherine goes into much more depth about how for her it flexes and changes almost job to job. Um, yeah, and we sort of got into this this idea of tech versus style. So um, Catherine herself sort of confesses that she's not the... She's not she's not that into technology, um, but what she has, she knows how it works. And I think it's those tricks and those insights and those ways that you use the, the, the tech that you have and the understanding that you have to create your own unique style. And actually, it doesn't matter too much about what the, the kit is, as long as it can do the what you need it to do. Um, it's about using it in a way that you're happy, comfortable with, that you understand and that you can create your whatever that may be like your art form your your design work whatever whatever that is your your sort of creative outlet um and we also got into this idea of this balance between um client-based brief work and sort of more personal projects that are um self-driven and i think that's where Catherine's striving to be is, is finding projects where she can be paid to create her own work um whereas like more traditionally and more generally it's it's been taking photos for other people whereas she really wants to move into this um taking photos for herself um but yeah I, i'll stop i'll stop rambling on yeah let's just do it let's get into the episode so this is episode number 85 with Catherine rattray i think uh, it really started off with um the birth of daisy my daughter and that's when the um i started really using the camera, you know, on a a daily, hourly, minutely basis, you know. I think her first year being born, you could maybe just press on a uh, the, the play button and it would see every single minute of her life being documented. So it really started from her. And what kind of camera was that was at that point for you? A wee Canon digi camera. It was great. The quality was brilliant. The photos were great. It worked really fast. It was quick. Um, and then a dropped it outside the rep and obliterated it. <laughs> so, um, and then at that point, my mum um, bought me a Nikon bridge camera and that's when I started really sort of shooting in a more um, stylized fashion, I think. What's a bridge camera? 
it's just the one under I'm not really sure how to describe it <laughs> <laughs> it's just one in between the compact camera and then the SLR right. you know it's somewhere in between okay you know it's still got the lens can still come off and you know but it's not it's not the you know it's not got a huge amount of um range or um yeah it was just a good wee camera mm-hmm. and so <laughs> Like obviously, you, st- you started on like a bunch really of bad with the technology side of things. <laughs> Not even too sure what anything is. <laughs> but do you do you need to be good with the technology side of things to be a good photographer? Uh, no, I don't think you do. I think it helps. Obviously, I'm much better now than I was. Like I really didn't know how to use the camera for a long time. I just knew that if you moved it this way or that way and did this and that, it would give this effect. I had no real understanding of what I was doing. Still to this day, I'm often not really sure what I'm doing. It just kind of happens, you know. I'm much faster now. I can set the camera without, um, you know, taking 15 shots in order to set it. I can set it basically quite accurately now and then start shooting. Whereas for a long time, you know, I just have to keep taking a picture, setting it, taking a picture, setting it until I got it right. You know, and that takes a long time and it's really stressful. And if people are looking at you, you quite clearly look like you don't really know what you're doing, you know, (laughs) fumbling about. But there's got to be that, like, there's this little bit of you should be pushing yourself into that unknown yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. But not too much, mm-hmm. but a little bit is, is good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you are really regimented with, you know, you take a photo, um, like this measuring the light or how it looks, so you get an accurate photo all the time, then you're never going to start pushing the um, parameters of the camera and of yourself. You know, because sometimes really beautiful photos come out of the the shutter speed, the shutter speed being too slow. So everything's soft and it can look really great. You know, it looks beautiful. But if you were shooting a wedding or something, you had the shutter speed really slow and everybody was like, out of focus, that's really bad, you know. So I think if you're doing it from a sort of an artistic point of view, then you've got real free reign to do whatever you want with the camera. If you're shooting commercially, then it has to be really accurate, you know. So going back to the the Nikon bridge mm-hmm. camera, um, so what did what did you take with that? Where did it go from there? Um, well, because I didn't know how to use it, I took a notion one day in Lockheed Park with the kids, and I said to um, their kids' dad, Evan, let's just go to Thailand for two months so I can learn how to use this camera. So we booked Thailand when Daisy was three and Jacob was eighteen months. And uh, I just kind of documented my way around and Thailand that, for two months. <laughs> was that like a genuine, like Thailand is a great place to take lots of photographs or was it just like, here's a good excuse to get a nice holiday? Yeah, definitely both. Yeah, I just thought, you know, I'm never going to... Well, I wanted to go travelling with the kids anyway, but I also thought, I've just got this new camera and I really don't know how to use it. And I do remember the first sort of month or something in um, Thailand, I never moved the settings from the camera because I got it on... 5.6 and 800 ISO, which is really high, considering it's really, really sunny in Thailand, you know, so a lot of the pictures are all blown out and I just wasn't really sure what I was doing. But by the time I left, I could really use the camera. But then all the, you know, the information and all the buttons had all sort of come off with all the coconut oil, so I was really doing it blind by that point as well. Do you think it's like a, a confidence thing then? Like the ability to play with settings and try mm-hmm. things out and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to, I think what I would tell my students is if you always start at 
say, an f-stop of 5.6 and a shutter speed at 125 and an ISO of about 800, then as long as you know how to get back to that, then you can start all over again. I think because the camera can come like be very confusing really quickly and you do something with it and you don't know how to get it back to something that gives you, you know, a, a, a quite a good photo from that point, you know. So, yeah, it's a mixture of um, having the confidence to muddle with it, but also the confidence to know how to get back to the start. Yeah, and I think it's the mm. same with any like piece of technology. As mm. long as you can go, oh, it's fine, because I can always just switch off yeah. back on again, or I can turn that dial back to whatever, and then that's me, yeah. and know where I am from there. Yeah, or if Photoshop, you just press revert, you know, so you just go back to the start. It's the same kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, so th- after that, that, the holiday, mm-hmm. and the, like, the photos that came back from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were really good. Like there's, I think out of the two months, there's like three photos that I would say were really good. <laughs> no, there's loads of really amazing pictures, but the the style that I was looking for from a street photography point of view started to emerge in Thailand. I think. So what is what is that style? Just humans, I suppose, sitting about. <laughs> That's not really a style, though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of. I think maybe being able to catch people's attention quickly and shoot really quickly came out of Thailand. You know, having the confidence just to snap somebody really quickly but get them to engage with you at the same time. You know, it's quite a frantic operation, street photography, because you want to engage with um, the person on the street. You want to make them know that they feel safe. You want them to make you know that you're not, you know, going to do anything that would upset them and also manage to make them smile at the same time, you know. So how do you do that? I don't know, kind of like, what's the snake from uh, the Jungle Book? <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the spinny eyes, <laughs> a bit like that, staring at people like... <laughs> so did you do all that without talking to them? Or, yeah. Yeah, so you, you're just doing that by purely... Yeah, like facial expressions and looking at them and catching their eyes and maybe just saying, you know, without saying any words, can I take your picture? You know, sometimes you get shouted at, you know, just keep going, you know. Or say sorry, or sometimes people will say, can you delete that, please? And I would always delete it. When I was in um, the airport in Marrakesh, I was merely going around taking pictures of the cleaners and everything, and the, the guards were really furious at me. And they came over and started shouting, you know, I had to delete the pictures. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just but pretended. But you said you always delete the pictures of I you know. Yeah. And so what what is it about as you were talking about capturing people? Mm. Um what is it about the those sort of situations and the, the people that that fascinates you and makes you want to take those photos? I think um just by nature I'm quite um intrigued about humans and watching humans and human behavior, you know, and I find humans to be really entertaining to watch, you know. So it's really it's, it's fun capturing people, you know. What is it about, like, so what is it about humans that you want to capture? Mm, I think just that, you know, as a photographer, if you can bring out someone's beauty through their eyes, then you know you've got the right picture, you know. You can see, especially the portraits of from Dundee Design Festival, which are in the post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you can see if you really keep looking at people's eyes that they do 
trust me and they're happy to be there and they want their photo taken. You know, you don't, I don't really tend to get pictures where someone looks like, could you put that camera down? I really don't want my photo taken by you. Unless it's Jacob. There's loads of pictures of him rolling and greeting <laughs> when he was little. <laughs> but, um, but that, I mean, the, for the design festival, you sort of created this concept of the, the Photoshop, mm-hmm. which is sort of, I don't know. I mean, because we were challenging this this concept of the traditional shopping centre, mm-hmm. it was looking at the, the sort of the idea of these. I mean, the, the sort of photo booths that you get your passport photos taken mm-hmm. in, and then the sort of notion of the these sort of staged photography mm-hmm. um, studios that you used to get in, mm-hmm. in shopping centres as there well. It really was like a total staged photography shop, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It but in, I think what I mean, what I got from it was that you were trying to to make those connections with people and mm-hmm. get those genuine connections and then create like mm-hmm. genuine photographs. Yeah. And whether that was the retailers in the in the centre or whether it was people coming to mm-hmm. visit or whether it was the regular customers who didn't really know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, like you'd always see, you were always out and about chatting mm-hmm. and you were quite animated and mm-hmm. like bouncing about all over the place. <laughs> I think it was the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that is all part of this this yeah. style and this focus on humans as you put it yeah i think if people i think just by my nature i think i can quite quickly disarm people you know yeah, because I think that's, if yeah. she looks as daft as that then you know i can you know be confident to smile back at her because <laughs> she's up to this ridiculous behavior and like is that just something that's just how you've always been mm-hmm. or has that changed over time or no, no, but I think from a photography point of view, I kind of slip into it and then slip out of it. It's really exhausting in so there. So you think it's like a persona that you have? Mm-hmm, flash, yeah. Okay, like flash right. is definitely the the persona, and it's easy to become that person if you have a persona. Even in my head, you know, even if I'm don't really do much ironing in the house, but if I'm ironing, I maybe pretend I work backstage at the rep, you know, in the costume department in order to get through the trauma of trying to iron something you know it's the same as uh, when you're doing your job you have to go into that mode in order to get it done no matter what it is you know whether it's something in the house or your professional job or if you're a teacher you know you look different you behave differently you act differently you probably sound differently than you are when you come back out of that I was absolutely exhausted with Dundee Design Fest having to be full-blown flash for so what, what are the eight hours a day <laughs> So what are the differences between your like, Flash, the persona, mm. and Catherine? Well, Flash was really ridiculous in the Dundee Design Festival. You know, Flash was just kind of just a lunatic by that point. If I was shooting something that had to have an element of quiet and calm, then it would be quiet and calm. You know, if I'm shooting, say, an installation, I don't know, in, a, in an art gallery somewhere, you know, I wouldn't be galloping around and yelping at the pitch of my lungs you know I'd be quite quiet and creeping about and softly taking pictures or if the audience was low staying low with the audience trying not to be in their road you know I need a bigger camera I think so I don't need to go as close you know so I think by adapting your behaviour to every situation then that's how you can get really good shots Mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely um and I think in that the 
the Dundee Design Festival environment, it called for that big personality mm-hmm. to be in the space. Yeah, absolutely. And to actually engage people because there was a lot of sort of weird and wonderful stuff mm-hmm. going on that people weren't used to or had never seen before. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a bit silly. It was a bit, thing, yeah. but that's exactly what we were trying to create an yeah. experience within that. And I think when we were talking earlier about the portraits and like the first two or three days, I remember feeling traumatised, thinking, I cannot get this camera's hit, because it was going from inside there to, can you, here's the 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 journalist coming in, and she would like these type of pictures, and I've got a journalist over there, and they would like those type of pictures, and while saying, have you photographed the neon sign outside yet? And so I'm jumping outside and coming back in and just saying, yeah, yeah, I'll get that done. I was actually, at some point, I was thinking, oh, my God. And uh and then I was going into the Photoshop and trying to do my job in the Photoshop, but not on the floor of the Keeler Centre. And then people would come in and say they'd want their portrait taken. So I've then got the camera set for something outside in a different light source and then coming back into there, you know, the the pictures that start just were really terrible until after maybe about three days, I think it was a Saturday. That's when everything clicked, even for me. The camera, I hardly even needed to change the camera because I managed to set it that... Even when I was outside on the shop floor, I could then go straight back into the Photoshop and just slightly alter the settings. Whereas before, everything was bright orange, you know. <laughs> Everybody's, the yellow, the whites of their eyes were all yellow and everything. I was thinking, oh God, I can't get this right. You know, it took a while. And I'm quite glad you can see the progression as well. Like, it's not, like, the the portraits in particular, until the, the very last section, are, I think it shows the, difficulties I had in trying to get the camera set and I'm not ashamed of that you know just had to just had to keep doing it you know because mm-hmm. how so now how would you describe your photographic style I think it's really safe now like I'm now at the stage I was thinking about this this morning like it's not boring but you would absolutely know that was my image you know it's either shot in a variety of five different ways they're beautiful but I think they're really safe and I don't think they're really um, pushing the boundaries of the level I should be shooting at now. You know, I'm quite disappointed with myself at the moment. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about that. Then. Why? Just need so to be, why? I just think I, I'm at a stage where I know I can do that well. I think the design festival proved that I can shoot at that capacity really well. If I was to do that two years ago, it would have been awful. Like, I would not have been able to cope with that. I know I wouldn't have had the the wit, the photography wit, even the post-production skills and the speed of it to get it done. So now I'm thinking, well, I can do it that to a really high standard. I need to now then do something else. I need to push myself into a different style. What about it is too safe? Just, like when I look at other photographers, like maybe Magnum photographers or, you know, somebody like Martin Parr or um, David LaChapelle, and I look at their work and I think, so boring honestly like their stuff's incredible and I just still think oh I just need to be better you know so I need how- to try harder I need to change something not change my style or change who I am mm-hmm. but just break out this comfort zone that I think I'm in so what is the that gap between you and those photographers that you that you mentioned so what, what- mm-hmm. I was thinking about that as well earlier I think what it is is <clears throat> Because I started off just photographing for myself and then there came the bit in the middle which I'm so grateful for for the last sort of five, six years where I ended up working as a photographer that I never ever set out to do. 
I think I then had to forget maybe about me as a photographer for myself and was shooting for everyone else. Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. now I'm starting to think, I think I'm getting an opportunity now with certain things that are approaching to start shoot just for myself and not for, say, the Dundee Design Festival or not for an art gallery or not for, you know, I don't know, a, a fashion label in the city, you know? But I think I'm now starting to get opportunities where I have to think about the photography now as an art form for me, you know? I think there's things inside me that I want to explore through my own work, you know? thoughts and feelings or emotions which you can't really put that you can put your personal touch to all your work but you can't sort of show maybe how society affects you through your work at Dundee Design Festival because you have to no but it's it's a client project it's a client project yeah so I think now I'm starting to move into a different a different area of photography and I think what's led me into um, thinking like this is when I was approached by the Swiss Art Expo and they looked for images from me, you know, and then hopefully do it again. So I'm thinking about maybe society and how that affects us and humans and the state of the world and the war zones we're living in and the, you know, the a lot of it's all in our mind as well, isn't it, you know? So how can I express how I feel through my own photo- photographs? And that's where I think I have to start up in the game and breaking out of this comfort zone. That I love that comfort zone, you know? And it's really good to be at a place where you can shoot really quickly and accurately, you know? But then is that the balance <coughs> of having stable client work? Mm-hmm. And then, like, in, for myself, for example, we had, like, as the studio we do client work where we fulfill the brief we deliver a solution to Mm -hmm. a problem um but we also do other side projects Mm -hmm. that are for us like this podcast Mm -hmm. and lots of other things where we can go and play and explore or try Mm -hmm. new skills or new areas and develop those for ourselves Mm -hmm. and whether they become commercial things or not it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. um so is that is that what you're trying to get the balance of this Mm -hmm. sort of yeah absolutely commercial versus personal yeah Absolutely, and I think uh, I think I'm starting to explore more from a personal point of view because I think I have more time to do it now as well, you know, because for a long time uh, I was working crazy hours, doing loads of photography, loads of shoots, and, you know, it was exhausting for very, very little money, which, you know, I've only hold myself responsible for nobody else. Because I don't think that I ever really felt or thought of myself as a photographer. So that, from the very, very early beginning, made it really difficult for me to say, well, here's a price for it, because I never even saw myself as a photographer. It was only about three years ago that I put out Catherine and Archie photography, you know. People so would say, what, what do you do? Oh, you take pictures. You can't even say the word photographer, because I didn't feel like... And still, now I don't even feel like a photographer. Why not? Well... <sighs> Because, I don't know, because I don't think I ever set out to do it. It just seemed to happen. And then all of a sudden, I was just in the middle of all these photography jobs. And I was thinking, what's going on, you know? But then surely that's, if all this work came along, that's Mm. testament to the fact that people want Mm -hmm. your 
to use your skills as a photographer mm-hmm. for um, whatever projects they mm-hmm. need them on. So therefore, mm-hmm. that's that's the justification. That's mm-hmm. the validation yeah. as a photographer. It took me a while to learn that, though. <coughs> it took me a while to see myself as a photographer. So in that that period that you're talking about, sort mm-hmm. of, um, I don't know how long it was, mm-hmm. but how? So maybe take me through that part and how did that work and how did the work come along and what sort of shoots were you doing and what sort of work was it? I was doing a, I did a lot of work at the start and I really really loved it with the Cooper Gallery. I was really lucky to start shooting for them and I did maybe this is when I was really thinking this is ridiculous because I really was just you know unsure of how to shoot anything in the art world you know um, and I learnt a lot through that Um so I started working there freelance. Maybe those contracts went on for maybe two, 18 months, two years. And then Neon came along and I started working for Neon and that was another, uh, you know, a- amazing breakthrough for me because it was almost like I was training every day because I just said, yeah, I'll, I can do that. And I couldn't do it, you know. And it was like moving from crazy different light sources, Neon flashing lights, Parties, um, drinking at the parties, <laughs> uh, and then up back at work outside, shooting in the rain, trying to get them off the computer, trying to get them handed back to Claire and uh, Donna really quickly, and I just didn't have the capacity to do so. I didn't have the speed, I didn't have the knowledge, and that was about <clears throat> five years ago. Whereas now, last year at Neon, um, Velma and I were so fast and rapid. We had everything done and wrapped up within the week. Whereas the first five, the first year, which was about five years ago, I think Donna got the pictures in March. <laughs> because there was there was thousands and thousands and thousands of them, you know. I didn't even know how to organise them properly, you know. So, didn't even so, the desktop set up. So what changed in in that time period? Just what changed? absolutely never stopping. Just keep going and going and going and just keep doing more work and more work and more work. And then just keeping having those... Aha moments. Oh, I know how to set this desktop. I know how to make this work faster, you know. But then is that also, when you mentioned Velma there, yeah. um, is it also bringing other people in to help with that process? Yeah, I think I was so lucky that Velma um, started working with me, working together. She got, it was the second year of Neon, and I thought, oh no, here we go again. I'm never going to be able to do this. And I've said yes again. Donna's going to kill me if I hand those pictures back in March. So I phoned her and said, could you help look after my kids? She said, yeah, and within about, I don't know, 24 hours of her working on Neon, she was working with me at Neon, and I think the kids were living with their dad. (laughs) So she never ever, well, she did look after the kids, but she just started taking the SD card, setting files for me, putting them up, getting them ready, picking the pictures, then I would edit them and hand them back. And she still does that for me, you know. She'll say, give me that and I'll sort that out for you, you know. And then she'll sit with me and she'll say, that's really bad, that edit, or though that's a really good edit, or, oh, no, that's not, that's that's not even a good picture, you know. And she'll be really brutally honest, you know. And that gave you the freedom <clears throat> to just take the photos? Mm-hmm. And just speed it up the process, you know. But you have to have, you know, it's like working with Lyle, you know, you have to have that person that you could only work with. I mean, you can't work with... 10, 15 people, can you, at that close proximity? You have to have a certain type of bond and relationship, you know, where nothing really upsets you about each other, you know. We can get on really well. We never really have a crossword, you know, ever. And so that's <coughs> from that point at Neon, you've then worked with 
Velma ever mm-hmm. since. Yeah, always. Mm-hmm. She was the chef at Neon last year as well for for me. So she was doing all the cooking and making soups and taking the pictures off and we were dead organised. I went out and got us uniforms and new trainers and everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. We were really proud of ourselves. <laughs> and we didn't drink at all once the whole week. Because it just gets too much fun, you know? It's too exciting. I think that's what else draws you back to the type of photography that I seem to have found myself in, working a lot within the, you know, the arts in Dundee. You know, whether I'm shooting in the DCA or shooting Cooper Gallery or, you know, Design Festival. There's always booze, isn't there? You know, there's always that sort of feeling of, you know, party or, um, you know, events. There's always the table of red wine, isn't there? But I'm getting better at saying no to it. And so what what would be your your ideal client or job or shoot or... Well, that, that just sounds like... Uh, just design fest. If we could just keep that going in the Keeler Centre for the rest of our lives, that would... That's ideal for me. That was just an ideal working environment. What, so what, what about it? <coughs> what is it that you particularly enjoyed? It's just that real feeling of community and real feeling of quality, whether you were... You and Lyle or Angus running the show from these parts or um, one of the amazing volunteers that were coming in, you know, everybody seemed to just work really well together and they didn't have that feeling of like, oh God, there's, you know, Lyle and Ryan, everybody stand at ease, you know, (laughs) there's none of that. And the volunteers were just incredible and they were just as important as everybody else, you know, as was the lady with the cleaning cart. She was just as important to everyone, to the energy and to the feeling in there. Everybody was spoken to on all sides, you know, and then everyone just seemed to work really well together, didn't they? It's yeah, just yeah. really, Definitely. really great. Mm-hmm. And I do really like taking sort of fashion images as well. Because you've done a fair bit of fashion photography. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. But again, that's that relationship between you and one person, and it's often Velma as the model. <laughs> <laughs> Like, just do the lot, you know. So, and with her, I don't really need to shoot very many photos. Like, usually the first picture I take of Velma is the one that we'll use all the time. You know, our, even our relationship, if she's in front of the lens and I'm behind it, is really fast and really quick and really accurate and really trusting and really safe, you know. So I can work quite quickly from that point of view as well. And Erin Young, she's another amazing model that I work with. I only need to take one or two pictures of her and it always... So what what makes a good model? I don't know, I think just that symbiotic nature of working together, you know, and just trust and, well, if she's as daft as that, then I can really whip out the moves, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so you say you need a a good relationship with the the subject, Mm. um, whether that's people or whether that's the environment or whatever that may be. Um, but what about your so your setup now, mm-hmm. your your camera? Mm-hmm. Um, what what does it look like now? Well, it's really old and battered. You've seen the equipment I use. It's like it's not got a lens cap anymore. It's got sock. It's not got any the dial at the top. You don't know what you're using. That you can hardly see anything. The lens is scratched. It's a little bit shaky. The flash is actually broken from DDF, so that's actually sort of tilting to the side. Um, and the laptop is seven years old, so it's really old. But I really you can need to upgrade. still take great photographs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Because it's not really about your equipment, isn't it? Back to that that technology versus but style as a photographer. It doesn't really matter what you're using. It's about your knowledge on how to use it. Whether so it's a tiny camera or a big, massive camera, whether it's a massive laptop or a tiny old one, it's all actually doing the same thing, isn't it? So do you agree with the statement that the best camera you have is the mm -hmm. one you've got with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I only have that one camera and that one lens. <clears throat> Never been much of a lens changer. No? No. <laughs> I had the, no, I've never had the one. I mean, I know I would get different results if I had different camera lenses and stuff, but sometimes when the um, the, the boys from the newspapers rock up with the men and they come in with these things that are longer than my whole thigh, I'm thinking, I wonder what they're going to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they're shooting something at really, really long range or maybe they've come in from, I don't know, a safari trip or and I've got this tiny little camera. Oh, they always have two cameras as well. And they always have big massive flashes, you know, and those have these ma massive, massive photographs. And I know I can just shoot the same as that, you know. And I'm much wirier than them as well, so I don't really need the long range because I just nip in and nip out, you know. But then that's all so uh, like your your setup it all contributes to that part of your your unique style. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So and the way that you've created that and the way that you use it and the settings that you have it at, it's all yeah. part of your own style. Yeah, like there's definitely things that I do now that I would never tell anybody. <laughs> like my own tricks. You know, I, oh, I don't know how that's like that. <laughs> I do, I find well know now how it is, you know. Mm -hmm. And I know what I can do to set things, to make things maybe have that slight sort of oddness about them, you know, like maybe uneasiness a little bit. <laughs> but then you do... so. You teach a camera club as well. Yeah, I teach them on the basis of you just shuggle your f-stop up and down. So just roll it, you know, just just move it. I get them to like do sort of drills, whereas I get them just to quickly keep changing all the settings, you know, and I tell them to go and just just shuggle the f-stop and up and down because it's the best way, you know. Why? Well, because again, it's that giving you that freedom and that right to move all the settings on the camera as long as you can get back to the other ones, you know. And also, if you keep changing your settings, even if you're taking that one picture, if you're practicing, then if you put them on different settings but keep taking the same picture, then you can start to see what works better, you know? So it's like, I say to them, I do these really outlandish, like 1980s teacher one-liners, and I say things like, do you think Bob Marley got to where he did with only picking up his guitar once a week? No, he must have been practicing all the time, looking, you know? And I say things like, well, you better be taking at least 500 pictures a week. And they look at me like I'm a lunatic. And I'm like, sometimes I'm taking 5,000 a week. And I know sometimes that's work. But before I was shooting, even commercially, I was shooting on a massive scale all day long, you know. And then they'll come back to me at the camera club and they've not even taken the camera out of the bag for a week. <gasps> oh, and I'm going to feel the fury rising within me. <laughs> so it is about practice, isn't it? It's about constantly practicing, constantly making mistakes, making failures and then trying again, you know, the amount of really awful Photoshop mistakes that are out there for me are just scandalous, you know. But you just have to keep trying again, don't you, and get it right. Mm -hmm. Until eventually, I really shoot in camera now, and all I really do post-production is just to be tweak, you know, maybe bring the colours in, maybe just brighten things up. But generally, the pictures that you see that I take now have been shot like that in camera. There's a little bit of fine-tuning, yeah, you know, I mean but not much. Whereas before, I was having to sort of 
try and sort things out in Photoshop because I wasn't shooting properly in camera, you know. Mm-hmm. And if it's a bad picture, it's a bad picture. Even if you want that to be the best picture, you just have to make your peace with it and shoot again, you know. And I think, it, again, it comes <clears throat> back to that confidence mm-hmm. thing. It's having, I feel, I mean, I've not done a lot of photography mm-hmm. stuff, but I know that like you can you can get lost in the world of post-production mm-hmm. and you can try and make that mm-hmm. that perfectly composed image with but actually it, you at some point you just have to have the confidence that that image is is good mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and that you don't have to fight it Mm-mm. and i'm i think that's why i still use that really old version of photoshop is because i don't actually do much or well, i make i create all my own actions so like an action would be like the filter say and I, I now do everything in Photoshop. I don't use preset actions that you can get in Lightroom or you can buy them. I'd love to be able to buy the really swish ones. Um, some of them are absolutely beautiful, you know, when you can just filter a picture. But I make mine myself. So I'll open up an image from Bridge and then I'll put it into Photoshop and then I'll um, design my action and then I'll apply that to different pictures. So everything that you see, I've done, like none of it's been done externally. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I'm really proud of that because I was hopeless on Photoshop for years. I learned my Photoshop while uh, breastfeeding Jacob actually sat there for months with him in my arm, Daisy, like, I don't know, doing cartwheels or something at the side of me and on Photoshop, you know. And that's actually where I learned a lot of social media and a lot of Photoshopping and a lot of... Um, the other side of being a photographer when they were really small, you know. Because there's a lot of time sitting down when you're a new mum, you know, a lot of time running about as well, but especially if you're feeding, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you, I mean, you mentioned social media there. Mm-hmm. So what? how do you use social media at the moment? Well, <clears throat> I probably use a lot of Instagram. I've got three different accounts on Instagram. You know, I've got Mrs. Rattray, it's like me and my kids and the family and then there's Catherine Ratchet photography and that one took me ages to get going that because it it took me a while to style it and make it look nice you know because they were just like random pictures so I've spent about two two and a half three years just trying to work out how to make that Instagram look nice itself nothing much goes on in there unless there's just a wee burst you know and then there's flash now and that's great that's my favorite one so what, <laughs> what is Flash then? So Flash is obviously the new persona, so that she'll come out with Velma as well. We'll come out as Flash at things like Neon or the next Dundee Design Festival, hopefully. Um, things like that, you know, those type of events that go on for a long period of time, you know, and it gives a different... It just splits up your style, you know, going back to shooting for a client or shooting for me. You know, so Instagram's starting to change a bit as well. So you think Flash is more client-based, event-based things? Yeah, definitely. And mm-hmm. then Catherine Rattray photography is more of your own yeah. stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So that's taken, like, what I'm, this has been going on for about seven, eight years now. And this is only really starting to happen in the last year, you know. I remember always saying by the time I'm 40, you know, I really am going to be good at what I do you know? so you don't feel you're good at what you do at the moment no well I'm 40 now I know I yeah I am 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm good at what I do. I could definitely be better. I mean, everyone can be better, though. Yeah, I could be much better. I could be better organised. I could be better um, better in business. I could be better. I could be so much better. So I'm going to be excited being better. <laughs> <laughs> in the next two years. Watch out. But then is that not a... That's not just like a, a two-year thing. That's like... 20 years. Just, an, 20 years. A, just a general attitude that you have mm. all the time that if you love something, mm-hmm. that you take 5,000 photos a week mm-hmm. that actually I just want to be better at everything all the time. Mm-hmm. I just want to continually progress mm-hmm. and learn new things yeah. and develop your skills. And so that's just a healthy attitude. Yeah. It's not really a... doesn't matter if it's for a year, two years, five years, 10, 20, 30. Yeah. It's, just a, it's just the way things mm-hmm. are. I signed up to the Annie Leibovitz uh, tutorial. as a 12-week programme. It was like $150 or something. I've not quite got the $150 now, but that's that's the that was the next stage, you know. I was like, I'm just going to check this out, you know. And so I'm now getting emails saying, when are you ready to start the tutorial? And I think, I'm definitely going to do that, you know. I just don't think you can ever stop learning, can you? Or ever stop being I, I, wowed at things that are going on in front of you, you know. I, th- I think you can stop learning. Mm-hmm. The, I don't think you should ever mm-hmm. like exactly. consciously stop mm-hmm. or I think you should it's a it's a healthy thing to keep exploring mm-hmm. keep learning new things keep mm-hmm. trying out new techniques and mm-hmm. skills and developing mm-hmm. um I mean that's just my personal mm-hmm. thought on it Me but too. I, I think you can you can definitely stop mm-hmm. like actively stop just say I'm not gonna do that I'm not yeah. gonna do this or you made that decision in your mindset that actually I'm, I'm good enough you know I, I never want to just have that feel of like, well, that's it. That's me. I'm good now. I'm just like, well, no, never, ever finished with that, you know. But then I think it's, I mean, a lot of the people on the the, the podcast that I've chatted to, the, there's always this, the imposter syndrome. Mm. Um, like Sam Gonsalves wrote a great article um, on it for the skinny. Mm-hmm. I think it was the skinny. Yeah, it was. I shared that, actually. That's yeah. a really good article, yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's like, I think it's, it's a natural thing when mm-hmm. you're, especially if you're a freelancer running a small like business or mm-hmm. studio or whatever in the creative field, it's natural to feel like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. totally winging this. I'm just I'm totally winging it. it. But in actual fact, you could be doing amazing work mm-hmm. that's actually as good as anyone in mm-hmm. the country or like, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's this, I don't know, I think maybe we just have a, a natural need for self-doubt and depression, mm-hmm. but, but then maybe that's a healthy thing. I think it's a really healthy thing. I th- well, it can go to that the extremes of it, you know. It's kind of finding the middle ground in your own self-doubt. It's like, oh, I'm really not good at anything. Oh. And then you just become morose and miserable, don't you? Or I'm just great at everything, you know. You have to be somewhere in the, the middle between, I could be better. That's that's not as good as it should be. You know, there were some images that were coming back to the Dundee Design Festival. And I was really tired because me and Velma were up till one, two, every night. Um you know, getting the pictures ready for the next day and you can see the ones that are just not, they're just not strong enough, you know. Or have maybe popped a wee edit on them and they're wrong and then you give them back and you're like, oh God, but this, like, you know, you're on your 14th hour of that day working, you know. Happily working, though. And you can sometimes see, you know, there's sometimes I've sent pictures back and I'm just not happy because they've not been good in camera, you know. Mm. Like those portraits that I sent <laughs> to you the other day, I'm just like, you know, not the not the faces. The faces were all beautiful, but everything was just wrong. You know. So how do you balance that? You're saying like the fourteenth hour, <laughs> but like you're, 
you're not claiming the time like being paid for all those hours mm -hmm. so how do you decide how do you balance that sort of the fee that gets paid versus the number of hours that you work to deliver something well now no well now it's different because i can work much faster you mm -hmm. know and i can hand back a more like a more concise amount of photographs that are all really strong you know I remember when I started working in the Cooper Gallery, this is when it was really overwhelming. This was like before I'd really worked out. And again, working out myself, you know, working out the tricks of Photoshop in order to speed up your time. And I remember I had to hand back, there's something like 250 pictures and I edited every single one. And every one took anywhere between 10, 15 to 20 minutes. Oh, that four o'clock in the morning jobs, you know. And then managing to get them sent back and thinking, I hate this. I hate doing this. This is the worst thing I've ever done. Why am I doing this? I hate Photoshop. I hate photography. I hate everything. But now, and especially that last new one we did, so fast, you know, because it become more knowledgeable, you know. And I don't think people ever see that or even really understand what's going on. You know, I think people honestly think it's just something that just happens around them and it doesn't take any time and it doesn't take any thought and it doesn't take any effort and doesn't take, you know, hours post-production, whether I've speeded the process up or not, you know. It's a hidden process, though, right? Mm. You've no idea, you don't see those hours. You see the person at the venue or at the mm -hmm. event or taking those photos mm -hmm. and you just assume... Swanning about, camera on the hip, drinking, oh, having a great time, what great life she's got, you know, and then going home at nine o'clock and still being at one o'clock trying to get these pictures ready for the next day, you know. Because that's, once once they're out, once they're sent, that's they exist in the world mm -hmm. for people who are going to want to share them mm -hmm. and use them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like people sharing and using their photographs. I'm not too precious about um, watermarking my images, you know, or <clears throat> like sometimes I'll see photos that I've taken, maybe in the past, and they've come out of an archive and then they're used by other, you know, people in the city to market some things. And it doesn't, usually doesn't even trail to who it comes from, but when I see it, I'm like, yes, there's my photo, you know. <laughs> Have you ever had anyone steal your work? No. <laughs> you look disheartened <laughs> by that. Like, why is nobody stealing my work? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen quite a few. Um, I suppose it depends on what you're talking about stealing, you know. Maybe liberating styles I don't know but then I'm not who's to say that my work's not been influenced by other people you know so yeah. it's you can't really say when you're taking a photograph that's mine you know because you could probably find another five pictures of ph photographers all over the world who have shot something really similar you know so what what's the weirdest thing you've ever photographed there probably are weird things, but I probably just can't say, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. I've, I've shot, like, I don't think it's weird, but other people might think it's weird. A, a girl came to me and she was uh, going through something, um, like breast cancer, I think it was, and she wanted me to take photos of her with uh, without any clothes on before she had the mastectomy. But that's not weird. No, but no. to other people, it might be weird, you know. But it was weird because we were up in uh, Balgay Park and she was up in the trees. <laughs> these sort of whimsical pictures of a 
half-naked lady, you know. But, I mean, <laughs> that a, bit was weird, not the actual photograph. Yeah, I mean, know? it's an unusual situation. I mean, not yeah. many people have found themselves in that. No. I can't imagine. <laughs> um, but that's all part of the, the job, especially yeah. if it's client-based and you have to yeah. answer the brief. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes answer the brief. <laughs> <laughs> so what does, what does the future look like for you obviously you mentioned the the zurich so competition so tell us a bit about that well this should just be the dundee design fest podcast because that's all i keep talking about <laughs> i'm still just talking about that to everyone you meet <laughs> but at the dundee design fest i'd got an email from the swiss art expo saying that they'd uh, discovered my work online and they felt that my photographs would work well with their exhibition in Zurich Central Station this coming August and um, of course I just said yes straight away I said yeah no problem I'll absolutely do that you know I don't even think I said hello there hope you're well I hope this email finds you well I just like yes I'm doing that and then um, so I wanted to put in new photographs and I wanted the photographs to kind of represent two different mindsets but a mindset from me and a mindset of society so I wanted to create images that looked like prison and the other one to look like you know a feeling of liberty so um obviously I asked Velma to be my muse and uh we shot the photos and I was I can't remember what happened because of the festival and everything that happened after that took me about three weeks till we managed to fit in a time to shoot the photographs and then um I'd sent them a message maybe the two weeks before this had happened and said, when do the images have to be in by? I should have just checked the website myself, but I just asked them that question. And they never replied in time. So when I did send over the images, they said, we're sorry, but you've missed the deadline. I was oh, no, but we'll extend the deadline for you by four days. So they extended the deadline, and the next thing I realised, I was in this like photography competition now with artists from all over the world heading to Zurich. Couldn't believe it. And um, anyway, I'm taking part in it from the 15th to the 19th of August. I'm flying out on the 16th to the 19th. And uh, the images will be in an, in an exhibition in the Zurich Central Station. It's called The Walk of Art. And it's all part of the Swiss Art Expo. Mm -hmm. So it's exciting. The next one's in Miami. And then the next one's in New York. The next one's in Basel. So I think going right back to sort of the start when... You know, I really wanted to start shooting for myself. I think this is the opportunity for me to start shooting what I want to show. You know, what's in my mind or how I see the world or what causes me happiness or grief, you know. So you've obviously taken the, the shots for this competition. Mm -hmm. What do you want to shoot next? What? What? Oh, I think we're maybe going to do something about consumerism or greed or capital, or like sort of anti-capitalist. You know, I was almost thinking because these two images, one's called Ex Manus Capere, which is from the Latin that now we use the word emancipation. So it's a freedom from sort of uh, religious or social or political bondage. You know, and the other one's called Liberty. And it's um, a much freer image and it's full of colour the first one's got not many colours and I think it's got like three or four and the second one's all flowers and reds and it's really beautiful so I'm wanting to then start maybe making a collection of photos based on these two ideas just this sort of black and white yin and yang 
two different opposing images. Um, so, yeah, me and Velma are going to do another couple. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to do a self-portrait for Miami. I think that'd be better, but no, it's just too much. <laughs> Why not? Why is it too much? Because it's not really going to go with the theme. It's just been really egocentric and thinking, oh, I might love to get a big A2 picture of myself in Miami, you know. <laughs> I have to get to Zurich first, and I've not even shot the next set of images, but I'll apply for it again and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so... Can you recommend something that you've been listening to, watching or reading mm-hmm. recently for people? So <laughs> anything with uh, guns and spies. Guns and guns spies. And spies. <laughs> That's the type of thing I like to watch and read about. <laughs> mm, or Harrison Ford. Anything with him in it. <laughs> I just can't think of a box set that I've watched recently. I did watch Our Girl on ITV. That was really good. I binge watched the whole of that. She's like a, a a soldier medic and she goes out to Afghanistan. And it's a really sort of romanticised version of war. You know, I finished binge watching it and think, I want to be a soldier now. It looks great. You know, it's ridiculous because it's nothing like that. So Our Girl on ITV. For a romanticised version of war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. So that's you what know. you're into. Yeah. Oh, she's got her makeup on the whole time. Her hair's never out of place. It's on French rolls and everything. She's got the time to do that. <laughs> Nails all done, teeth really white. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so if anyone wants to find you, see your work, get in touch, mm-hmm. how do they do that? Where do Just, they find you? Just uh, Google Catherine Ratchie Photography. And a whole host of things will come up. <laughs> and at one of your three Instagram accounts. Oh, you can find me on Mrs. Ratchie. You can find me on Catherine Ratchie and, of course, Flash. Cool. Mm-hmm. Right. Thanks very much. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Thanks. So thank you very much to Catherine for coming doing the podcast. Um, yeah, do go and check out one of our three Instagrams um, to see some of our work because yeah, it, it's fantastic. Um, and also, I mean, anything that you saw from Dundee Design Festival this year—that was her photography work um, that was in there—and those images um, are still all being collated um, as we work out what the future is for them. But yeah, do go and follow her um, and follow the podcast as well. If you don't already, it's at CCC Dundee on Twitter and Instagram and it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash CCC Dundee. Um, you can find us on Spotify. You can ask those fancy speaker things. Yeah, and all good podcasting platforms. Um, but that's it for this week. Uh, next week, I'm going to be joined by Stuart Murdoch, who's head of leisure and culture at Dundee, um, which is another great episode Um and it gives it gives real sort of insight into what Leisure and Culture Dundee actually is, how that was formed, um, yeah, where Stuart would like to see it go, um, and his sort of thoughts on the wider city as well. Um, but yeah, another good episode next week. But yeah, until then, bye.